Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Tofiki Gafar Shainer, informatics nurse, entrepreneur, and ANA Innovation Award winner. And should I say, congratulations on wrapping up your master's degree, Tofiki. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bonnie. I really appreciate you. And welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to talk about some really exciting things um, that are coming up in healthcare and just having a fun chat with you. Absolutely. And I know that you're an entrepreneur and you co-founded a company. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about that work. Yeah. So it kind of starts off with, with just identifying a problem. Another nurse and I we were working together um, at the same hospital facility and we just got frustrated with, you know, how patients with seizure precautions are treated at the, at the hospital. Most hospitals do not have a standardized way of treating these patients. And so nurses um, end up using linen and tape to keep them safe. So if they do have a seizure, they don't hurt themselves on the bed rail. And, you know, I'd worked at multiple facilities and I'd come to this new fancy hospital in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we were using the same thing that uh, my previous hospital in a rural part of California was using linen tape or mesh panties. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. Uh, Luckily, Joey is is a great critical thinker, problem solver. So him and I kind of linked up to just literally solve this problem for ourselves because we wanted just something we can use while we were working. So it was easier for the nurse's workflow and safer for the patient. And when we came up with the prototype, we were like, this has got to be shown to other people. Um, and so we we developed the safe seizure product and kind of built a company around that. And so it is this, it is this self-inflating, compact seizure pad that goes on a, on a patient's bed rail. It's easy to put, um, remove and put on because it has clasps. Um, it's easy to wipe. It's easy to clean. All these things that are perfect for a nurse's workflow. It doesn't obscure the buttons like linen and tape do or large cumbersome pads. Um, and so kind of we, we built this, this product and we were like, we, we need to show other nurses. And it turned out very well. And that's kind of where we, we built this company out of is, is the idea of just problem solving nursing workflow and patient need issues. Um, And so this is our first product, it's doing kind of well. We are multiple hospitals um, around around the nation. And like you said, we've won the A&A Innovation Award um, because of this product. This was was, um, the the award that we won the product for. And so it was, it's just kind of now looking at what else can we do? Um, And we have a ton of other ideas and it's just, it's, it's, we're excited to, to, to roll them out when we can and prototype them. Cause that's kind of the fun part of being a, you know, an entrepreneur is getting to play with things and test things. And so, yeah, it's, it's Joey and I are looking forward to just 
benefit. It's awesome that you guys, as nurses, we all know there are hiccups in workflows and glitches and things that don't function the way that they are intended to. So I love that you guys just kind of jumped in and prototyped and and built your own solution. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, we were just, it just comes out of, and I think that's where a lot of great, great ideas come from is the sense of frustration and there could be something better. And so we were just, we were just kind of frustrated with, with what we were, like you said, the expectation is, you know, doctors write a seizure precaution order and then it kind of, the rest is nebulous enough to the nurse to figure out. And, and for most nurses, there's never enough seizure pads. And so we do what we can to keep our patients safe. Um, And so we're, we're, I think a lot of other nurses have had the same problems, whether it be um, with IV tubing or whether other things. And we're just hoping to get them to also move forward with their ideas. So talk a little bit about that journey, because I imagine that there were um, some speed bumps along the way. So tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah, there is, there's um, the process of getting that, getting that product moved forward is, you know, when we got our prototype in hand, we uh, we were like, okay, we know what it wants. We should call it. it. Should be called safe seizure, and it should be this way and that way. And now we just need a manufacturer. Uh, we'd reached out. the The product is similar to a camping product out there, um, and so we'd reach out to a lot of outdoor camping manufacturers that make the similar product um, for a different market. And so we said, hey, we're two nurses, and this is the idea. We just love to talk to you. It doesn't conflict with your current market. We think it'd be great. We had our emails, all that stuff, and nobody in the U.S. wanted to wanted to contact us. Nobody. We still. We're, I'm still waiting for a call from three years ago, Bonnie. So, <laughs> or an email reply. So none of these companies wanted to work with us, and so Barry was just finding who was going to manufacture these and how it's going to be manufactured properly. Um, and and the other barrier was just you know, as a nurse, you go to nursing school, you understand patient care, you understand um, diagnoses and treatment plans, but we don't, you know we don't get taught business stuff. And so him and I kind of had to learn how to run and start it, start and run a business on the fly. And so luckily we're both very avid learners and we, we use our wonderful network of people such like you who had this type of experience and we ask a billion questions. And so getting the product manufactured and also um, finding a, um, finding an avenue in, in, in the business world that we, we can use to launch this product and run this product and do it efficiently uh, was kind of the uh, two barriers that we had. Um, but uh, so far, we've, we've gotten over those two humps and we've been doing well for the last two and a half years and, and moving forward. And that's awesome. And you highlighted something that I think is absolutely an opportunity that we have as we educate nurses, which is to teach them a little bit about business and a little bit about innovation and entrepreneurship. Exactly, exactly. Because we have such an amazing peer group, right? Four million plus of us Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And our people aren't educated on the fact that they are innovators, nor are they educated on the principles of how healthcare runs as a business, nor even Mm -hmm. how to start their own business. And I think there's something to be said for that. A hundred percent. I think it goes with the fact that we are taught some of the blueprints of nursing school is about problem solving, identifying a problem and solving it, right? That That is the core of every entrepreneur is that, hey, there's this market idea and there's these consumers that need this problem solved. And now we're doing that. When a person comes to you in the ER and they're like, I don't feel good. And you're like, okay, let's figure it out. That's 
entrepreneurship in a sense is you're you're identifying a problem and solving it. And so the blueprint is inside every single nurse. Um, and for those of them that that have the drive, and you know, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, but those of them that have the drive to take their ideas forward or their solutions forward, whether it just be passing it on to to nursing leadership at their hospital or whether it be starting their own business outside the hospital. I think the blueprint is there and and there's, so it's not that it has to be a whole new semester. It's already using the curriculum that we have to talk about healthcare business management and um, and talk about, hey, this the stuff we talked about two weeks ago about, you know, uh, triaging can also be applied in a business aspect. And so I, I think that the opportunity is there. Yeah, I think you're so right. We we really could just kind of drop that right in curricula. And it certainly feels like it's the right time in nursing education world to completely disrupt the process and, yes. and certainly include more technology and virtual reality and how we educate. Oh and as you know, we have nursing students that are really having issues getting access to clinical space. So That's this true. is a great time to really... Might as well reinvigorate while that. We can, right? <laughs> right? I know. Um, all right. So let me kind of uh, flip slides on you. Um, yeah. You just wrapped up your master's and yes. you are in the informatics space and sort yes. of at a pivotal point in your own career and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. been able to spend some time um, testing out your aspirations over the last year. What do you see coming through your informatics lens? What should we be thinking about? Oh man, just some of the stuff you just mentioned, talking about um, access and, and technology, right? And so the last year, 100%, most hospitals have had to move to a virtual visiting kind of situation. You can't see your PCP in person. You can't um, have a GI consult in person. Um, and if they are, you, it's going to take a long time for you to get a time with the doctor or provider, right? And so having to figure out how to move all these things online is a one major thing that is coming up. And you mentioned VR. I would love, I would love, love, love for, for hospitals to start utilizing some form of VR therapy, especially in pediatrics, because research shows it, it, it works. Um, these children have less anxiety pre and post-op if it's a procedure that they're going to, if they're able to play games and they're more apt to test out and be excited about these VR things. Um, and I think there's a room there for adults also. Um, for patients that are in um, in infusion bays, um, and whether it be for dialysis or um, whether it be for chemo, they're sitting there anyways, um, either on their phone or either on watching the, the television monitor that's like 15 feet away. It's it's another service that can be offered. I think there's room for us to to bring in these technologies to make sure that patients feel you know patient outcomes are are improved. They might be good, but they can always be better. Um, and if patients are open to it, that's just another avenue for them. Um, specifically more for informatics, I think what I would love is a way to merge the data that we, that consumers are, um, have outpatient. So with their wearable devices, their sleep tracking, their whatever devices that people are using today, because the landscape is different than it was five years ago, six years ago. Not many people were wearing wearables. Today, almost every person has a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or um, a fossil device on their wrist and some even like myself i have a i have a sleep tracker that's underneath my uh, my bed uh, not underneath my bed but on on my mattress and so there's ways that we can we can use this data that is being created outpatient with all the data we have inpatient and merging that into one so we get a better picture of what the patient's health is um you know as soon as you get discharged the hospital's kind of in the in the dark 
about what's going on with you. And I think that's really a shame that we aren't. There's some hospitals out there that are that are moving forward with merging those two, but there needs to be a, a, a platform or there needs to be just in agreement with your PCP and the patient. It's also about patient privacy with their with their private health data, right? So as long as the patient's a willing participant and they're open to the idea of like, oh yeah, my PCP can see my my heart rate data from my Apple Watch. Um, and if they see if there's a spike on my Apple Watch, my you know, because that's the one awesome thing about these wearables is they'll notify you and say, hey, your heart rate's been 120 for last 10 minutes. That's odd. What are you doing? <laughs> um, and so your PCP should get notified about that if you're open to it. And I think that that way they can get a better picture of you. And now we can know what's going on in a, in a complete total sense of the patient. And we can kind of have the synergy between inpatient and outpatient. Because, you know, like we, we like to say, you know, for our seizure pads, that a patient's, a patient's risk for seizures doesn't end when they're discharged from the hospital. Same thing with the whatever conditions going on. If they came in with AFib, RVR, that's, and we treated them, but we still need to know what's going on when they get discharged, right? So it's very important to have this. That, that's what I would like for the future. And I think it's coming up. There's some companies that are, that are working on patient monitoring outside the hospital. Um, and that's, that would really, I think, be great, especially for patients with chronic conditions. I'm really excited about this, Bonnie. That's why I keep talking. <laughs> no, that? I think this is awesome. <laughs> and there's so much for us to sort of unpack in this. So yeah, I think that, you're kind of vomited that, but I, I get so excited about just the idea of, of, of being able to see what's going on with the patient and help them out without them getting admitted to the hospital for everything. Cause we're in the dark and then they come to the ER and like, oh shoot, you've been having, uh, palpitations for five days. And now you're here. We need to know four days earlier, not at the fifth day when they feel awful. Well, and you you bring up a ton of good points in there, right? So I think you you sort of nailed it when you said we've basically democratized medical wearables mm -hmm. by virtue mm -hmm. of the Apple Watch, the Fitbit, mm -hmm. Fossil, right? And I'm even aware that during COVID, Apple delayed the launch of their watch to go back and add SPO2. So yeah. it was built with EKG, yes. um, you know, heart rate, arrhythmia detection, fall detection. Yes. And um, essentially they kind of upgraded it to include SPO2 monitoring as a result of the pandemic, right? Which mm. is super smart. Yes. But now you think about it, how many millions and millions of people have these devices on their wrists? Yep. So now we have to develop protection, certainly, for the data that's collected yes. and processes for providers to then access this data. 100%. I don't even know where this data goes, right? So it's, somebody's got this somewhere. data somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I know I turned off some of my uh, data so that yeah. it's not floating around in the Ethernet, just yeah. <laughs> um, more out of protecting myself. But I that think you're sense. exactly spot on is that this should be stuff that will be included in, I don't know, my medical record or something, yes. but not just like it, all of it. it on, yeah. Yes, I think you're right, because it's not just sort of the um, vomiting of my heart rate every minute of every day, but let's, if there's a trend mm -hmm. or if there's something going on, maybe that's the piece that should be documented so exactly. somebody can see something. Exactly. If you're, if the Apple Watch, which does, I've, I had a friend, we were we were doing some like a zip lining, she had her Apple Watch on and, it, and of course she was a little nervous. 
And it said her Apple Watch notified her and was like, hey, what are you doing? Your heart rate's kind of been elevated for a little bit. And so that doesn't always happen, right? And and so it's not it's not going to be elevated every day. That's going to be feeding too much data into the system. But when these anomalies do happen, which for certain patients with early conditions that haven't been caught yet, their Apple Watch will go off once a week and say, hey, what are you up to? And they're either sleeping or they're, you know, they're resting, watching TV and their heart rate's elevated. And so those things should be pushed to the PCP or some type of uh, management system. I know there's some hospitals that, or hospital systems that have a chronic condition like coordinator, case manager who manages all the heart failure patients or all the diabetic patients, him or her would be the one that gets this notification and reaches out to the patient in a day and says like, hey, you know, your Apple Watch has been telling us this or your sleep mattress has been telling us you haven't been getting much sleep. Do you, or how do you feel? Are you getting rest? Um, do you feel like you're short of breath when you wake up at night? Kind of stuff like that. Maybe, you know, because sleep apnea is sometimes an early onset for other things that are going on. And so it's just, it's just, it's just this opportunity of, of there's data being created outside the hospital, inside the hospital, and we just have not harnessed it. And that's why I really honestly chose my degree it, it, the way, and, and I don't want to disparage nursing informatics, but the way it's being taught at this moment, it's being taught for the last 10 years of hospitals. And that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the next 20 years of healthcare management. And so I was like, well, what degree can I get that really excites me about technology in the future? And this was the only one, despite understanding that the curriculum that there's they're doing now. A lot of the core stuff can be applied anywhere, but a lot of the stuff that they're, that they're teaching now is meant for the last 10 years of hospitals. And But I understand that this is what I needed to get in order to have the foundation to do some of these cool stuff. And and so if anybody else is like, oh, informatics is boring. I don't want to take that. Do it. Get through it. I did it. I got through it in about, you know, in about 21 months. I survived. Um, and you can use that to do other cool stuff. You can use that foundation of data management and analytics to, to, um, to figure out whatever idea you have for patients. Yeah, I think that you've made a good point there because so often we have these rather um, antiquated, almost legacy job description impressions in our minds about mm. what these jobs are or what mm. these degrees are. Mm-hmm. And essentially, there's so much um, evolution in in even these degrees, and particularly in how you can apply them. Yes. So as as you said, this informatics degree is so applicable because je- what you almost want to be framing in your mind is consumer wearables, and mm-hmm. then you are the translator, being a nurse, understanding how you can sort of apply that backwards into patient care. Exactly. Exactly. I, I really think that a lot of nurses, especially those who are diabetic educators or chronic um, or um, CHF educators that manage these patients outpatient, there is a space. If you're, if you're a startup and you're working in that space, reach out to these nurses. They understand what goes on to these patients because they speak to them every day. They educate them before they're discharged. They need to be on your team so you build a better product for patient management. Um, and there's lots of companies out there that are looking to get into this chronic disease management space. And I think they're not talking to these. Um, uh, it's kind of both ways, right? The, the nurse educators don't know or the nurse case managers for these patients don't know that these companies exist and vice versa. The companies don't know that they exist. And so talk to them. You will build a better product once you once you have somebody like them on your team. And they might not understand all the tech speak, but... I think they they understand what patients really want and need. 
and stuff like that. In addition to if one of them, which I try to convince all my friends to, you know, go back to school and get some type of degree, one of them were to get an informatics degree or um, understand a maybe a tech, maybe project management or user design um, certificate or degree, they would be somebody who was unstoppable for the next 10 to 15 years in healthcare. Yeah, and that's a really strong, strong point, right? Because it's so important for us to figure out where we need to go, not mm -hmm. just to continue to clip along at what we've been doing. It's obviously not worked well, and certainly no. in a what in a post-pandemic world, the world is completely different. So we're going to have to use technology to help us yes. gather data, process data, make make predictions and really try to understand what the health needs of broader communities are mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we can solve for those problems. That was and a there, great point. And there, there's also an equity part of this is that, you know, not all patients are going to have access to some of this technology. And I think that it's up to this. The other part is, is, is up to the insurances to kind of um, see the value in the outcomes. So maybe they give subsidies for a patient who buys a wearable. Like, hey, you know, we find that patients who have this device are less likely to be admitted back to the hospital. So here's, you know, $200 off the next Apple Watch. And as long as you keep using it and the data is fed into the system, you get, you continue to get this discount. And because, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's an opportunity there just for those who run health, health systems in general um, to, to, to provide access to patients who might not be able to afford it too. So it's, it's, there's, I'm so excited about the future, Bonnie. <laughs> I can tell, but I, I think you, you are right because we make so many generalizations and we know that we live in an unjust, inequitable world. So yes. we talk about Apple watches that cost 400 to $600. Exactly. exactly. There is a very large percentage of our population in the United States that cannot afford that. So no, how, that is, that is a lot. Yet they still Everyone deserves the same great level of care. So how yes. do we help to gather data yes. from everyone and transmit it to providers in the future? And I think with all of the really important informatics aspects that you highlighted, there are still just some primary things that we're going to have to continue to keep our eye on. And that is how do we get the data from people that can't afford these fancy pants devices, right? That's <laughs> exactly. a huge gap. It's a huge gap. It's a huge gap. And I think there's many programs out there that, that provide subsidies for people who, um, who need certain medications. They, they say it all the time in those commercials, if you can't afford it, contact us and you can afford this med and we'll give discounts. So the same thing needs to apply to wearables right now. And it also needs to apply to you know just current wearables. Hearing aids are super expensive. And so most insurances don't cover that, but it's an important thing for a patient to have. And so looking at just not medications um, or um, access to a provider, but I see wearables as just as important to, to somebody's healthcare in 10, in five years um, for them to be able to have good outcomes. So we need to start shifting our lens of just, of not just like, oh yeah, we do subsidies for medications and providers, but you need to do subsidies for for um, wearables to track patient outcomes um, and and give better patient outcomes, and, and I think you know there's got to be a partnership with the government, partnership with these health systems, um, and 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 I think it's going to happen. Um, I just hope it's sooner than later, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I I would like to be hopeful, but I think it's also a great place for people that are innovators and entrepreneurs to figure out the way to solve for those problems and exactly. fix that for us. 
I think so too. Excellent, excellent. Well, I hear my assistant weighing in in the background, but <laughs> he thinks this, these are all great ideas. <laughs> she is absolutely checking in and validating. Appreciate that, Tofiki. And thank you again for being with us today on the Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. And be sure to check out our show notes for this show to find Tofiki's contact info and to learn more about his work. And thanks again for being with us today. Thanks, Tofiki. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. This was exciting and a great way to start the day. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.